Welcome to Smart Water Solutions Podcast. I am Hakim Elfadi. This is episode number 39. Today's guest is Amrit Omnayak, the CEO of Indra Water Solution. Indra is developing a decentralized wastewater system that is based on electrocoagulation and electrooxidation. The team has done a very interesting job on making the system hassle-free experience and combining hardware and software in a way that the system is very compact. It's more than 70% smaller compared to the conventional system. That's one thing. The other thing is the system learned by itself with the time with, with special algorithm, it tried to optimize itself with the time. The other thing is they have several systems installed in different several wastewater, black water and gray water, those systems, they have kind of database that can learn also from themselves. It's very interesting what they have done. And welcome, Amrit. So that's the kind of work we were all doing. And then we got a chance to start working on stormwater recovery. I was doing my master's in University of Washington, Seattle at that point of time. Uh, stormwater is a very interesting problem statement there because it rains almost nine to 10 months a year. And there's huge amounts of storm runoff water. So that's a resource, that's a possible opportunity which could be utilized. So they needed a solution which was uh, cost-effective and at the same time easy to scale and deploy. So not being from the water sector conventionally, so I was not really uh, well versed with all the solutions. And me and my co-founders, we uh, we did what we could, uh, you know, what we could easily do. That is trying to optimize the energy requirements of different water solutions. Uh, when we were working on that, we realized that most of the conventional systems are designed to be centralized in nature. So you have a lot of buildings, a lot of complexes, and all the water gets collected, and then it's taken to a large facility where you need a lot of retention time. So you're using chemicals, you're using bacterial media, and all these require some time for the magic to happen. They need time for the, uh, they need retention time for reactions to occur, for the pollutants to get broken down, which makes these uh, you know facilities very very large very, very resource intensive, difficult to plan and execute, and most importantly, manpower intensive. So when you have a human operator, imagine him having to run across multiple buildings, multiple pumps, multiple, you know, different uh, critical points, that, you know, mistakes are bound to happen. And that is why it is very difficult to, you know, react to different problems in wastewater. So when you have water coming in, you're not going to have the same quality of water going into facilities. There's a lot of variation that happens locally as well as on a larger scale. And for operators and manpower to kind of, uh, you know, understand that, react to the changes and change the treatment, that was a very, very complex thing. And even automation was not able to do it because at such a large scale, things become very, very difficult to achieve. So we realized that to do things differently, we need to look at a very different approach to this. And we immediately looked at electricity because we understood that being mechanical engineers, we could, that was something we understood. So uh, we started, we started working with electrolysis of water and then evolved from there. So when we pass electricity through metal plates or a metal matrix bed, we cause two kinds of reactions to happen. We oxidize pollutants by, by, you know, we hydrolyze water, the cathode, and we generate OH radicals, which are the strongest oxidizing agents in nature apart from fluorine. At the same time, at the anode, the metal, uh, you know, the metal electrode releases cations, metal cations, which go in. They combine with these hydroxyl ions and form metal hydroxides, 
which trap suspended pollutants and other intermediate insoluble precipitates formed during oxidation reactions. So all of these together form large flocks, which can be easily separated out going forward through settling uh, processes, clarification, filtration, and a lot of other such things, uh, which are pretty standard across the industry. Right. We realized that by intensifying the treatment that we were doing, we could increase the clarity of water. We could increase the pollutant breakdown capability of the system. So that is how our initial systems developed. And because we were elect doing, uh, using electricity, uh, we could treat water very quickly, pretty much as it, as it was flowing through a pipe. So systems are much smaller, almost 80 to 90% smaller than conventional solutions, which made them plug and play. So today we have very compact electrically driven systems, which can be deployed at less than you know, one fourth the space requirements of a conventional solution, and they can treat water and give it back for reuse at the point of source. So that's how we are promoting decentralized water treatment. Okay, that's good. So we will get to this point, Amrit. I just, that's very good point. And then I would like to start with you, which with the first point, which is decentralization in water treatments. Um, I mean, how do you see this is, is very important also nowadays and specifically in the region that you are covering? Yeah. So decentralization is key to solving the water problem. I'm not saying that we do not need the larger plants, but decentralization can beautifully complement these larger plants and help them effectively achieve reuse at the point of source. When you build larger plants, every new plant needs to be designed from scratch. And they take a lot of time to deploy. And the demand and supply gap is in, you know, is in is increasing. The gap is increasing at a much faster rate than we are able to deploy plants. So when looking at this problem statement, breaking it down into simpler, you know, a smaller problem statement, you're pretty much taking out individual buildings rather than, rather than build a single plant for 100 establishments. Now you're looking at a single building, a single establishment. You're building a small plant, giving it back for use right there. So you're eliminating excess of pumps, you're eliminating the downtime, you're eliminating a lot of infrastructure, you're eliminating losses, you're eliminating a lot of manpower, and you're enabling automation. Automation and smart feedback is possible in smaller plants, and it is possible to you know have incremental improvements and changes in systems which are run like this. It is very difficult to achieve that on a very large scale if you're going in the centralized approach. Therefore, decentralization is really the way to move forward. Yeah, and is is it like um, is it like I think it depends on the quality and the quantity that you are treating in the wastewater. I would say sometimes um, some quality it doesn't need to go to the centralized. And sometimes I think, but, but I don't know exactly what is the limit when it makes more economical sense to, and also environmental sense to treat it in small uh, scale. And when it makes more economical sense to combine all those together in one big place and treat them. Uh, that's a great question. In fact, uh, uh, the right way to look at it would be to understand how segregation of different wastewater streams happens. So uh, if you have a large volume of wastewater, it is, it is generally the case where you have one stream of water, which is very, very polluting, which has a lot of pollutants in it, and another stream of water, which is not that contaminated. We generally combine all of them and try to take it to a centralized facility, and we try to use a generalized process to treat all kinds of pollution, uh, pollutants together. 
What we need to understand is that existing technologies or solutions are not broad spectrum pollution removal processes. They're good against specific pollutants. They're good when operated within a given range. So when you're looking at decentralization and when you're looking at wastewater treatment, if you could segregate the really polluted streams out and take out the lower polluted streams out, you could put up these modular installations to treat this very polluted streams and bring it back to reasonable standards. And then the workload on the centralized facilities would dramatically decrease. And that is how we feel we could effectively deal with this uh, problem and deploy solutions at scale much bigger. Yeah, that makes very good sense. And then, and then I think if I this correctly, in this step exactly where you with your technology, um, yeah, makes more sense to be used. Is it is it used only on a small scale on decentralized scale, or also can be also used in a big scale? So today we have systems which can treat uh, from 5,000 liters per day and we have modules, uh, single modules which can treat about 200,000 liters per day. And we can combine these modules to treat even a larger capacity. Uh, we have refrained from going above, uh, you, know, uh, you know, 2 million liters per day for now because uh, generally decentralized setups do not have a requirement larger than this. So that is the market in which we're generally operating. And once we do that, uh, once we deploy a number of modules, let's say we deploy five of our modules at a given site, 200,000 liter per day modules, most of, more often than not, we're able to eliminate the need for water to go to a common effluent treatment plant because that's the standard practice in India. 10 industries come together to build a common effluent treatment plant or 50 industries come together. So we are able to eliminate that need. Now, people, now uh, one, one other problem I'd like to highlight here is that uh, in an industrial complex, you might have industries generating different kinds of pollutants. You might have a pharma player who's generating really polluted water. You might have a simple manufacturing effluent generator. And in a common setup, pretty much everybody is being charged the same because the water is already mixed. People are monitoring volume. People are being charged for the volume of wastewater they generate, but they're not being really charged on the basis of pollutant because pollutant monitoring is a very complex thing. It is expensive. So it's not really effectively implemented at scale. So by decentralizing, you're also helping players pay as per the pollutant content in the water. So if somebody is using a smaller plant and has lower pollutant content, he's actually not going to spend as much as a pharma player. So their equity in water use, equitable, it, it makes sense economically also for players to do this. Is it not like they, they, they measure the COD level? COD level, is it, is it the, 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 let's say the... The, the measurements that they charge the company for treatment? Yeah. So ideally that should be, but, uh, but the problem is when you have 50 different industries discharging into a single stream uh, and a lot of these sensors which are deployed, most of them work, uh, give you the volumetric quantity of uh, volume. Let's say somebody has discharged 100,000 liters, somebody has discharged uh, maybe 1 million liters, you get the volume. But the water quality sensors are generally not in the best of operational states. So many times you do not have data for the same. So charging people is inconsistent based on the pollutant content, which creates the whole issue. Yeah, no, that makes more sense. And even if, if CO, COD for me doesn't mean in its, I mean, you can have the same level of COD, but one level of COD is very hard to treat. And the other one is easy. Like sugar is easy. The other one is- Absolutely, yeah. exactly. And in fact, when in textiles also, you have the same level of COD and- Sometimes some of the water, uh, some water can have PV and starch, which are very difficult to break down compounds. So then, 
then you need a different approach to treat that and people can't be charged the same for that that is where decentralization comes in just separate out the stream just pay for that stream and let the other streams be treated in a more economical way which enables better use of water that that actually leads to sustainable water management and then here where your technology um you said you are with your technology you can treat broad spectrum pollution um would you really just break down your technology how it can you know treat different spectrum of pollution and yeah. then yeah just we need to understand this point uh, in details for audience so uh, today we are able to uh, you know we are, we are able to effectively deal with suspended solids dissolved pollutants like the oxygen demanding substances like cod bod we are able to deal with pathogens and viruses uh, heavy metals present in water petrochemical waste radioactive waste because inherently what we are achieving is advanced oxidation processes which are very optimized to you know increase the reductive potential or oxidative potential of a given solution based on the requirements so all the recalcitrant organics or even the other difficult to break down pollutants are broken broken down to their elemental forms like large organic chains of you know molecules they are broken down into simpler forms till you have only co2 and the other constituents hydrogen oxygen these things nitrogen remaining similar things with uh, you know inorganics where the salts are mineralized pretty much and so we are achieving different things because you are creating super oxidants inside the chain you might be creating oh radicals you might be creating uh, you know uh, peroxy radicals you might be creating uh, hydronium ions you might be creating uh, uh, chlor uh, hypo uh, perchlorate ions so all of these are super oxidants and they depend upon the kind of wastewater that comes in Oh, and because our technology is a buffering reaction, depending upon whether your medium is acidic or alkaline, we're able to adapt very quickly to the same. So that is the reason. And even if it's heavy metals, let's say you have chromium six, we're able to break break it down to the lower oxidation state of chromium three plus, which is stable and which comes out of water. So it that is the reason I say that we are a broad spectrum pollution removal process. We're able to deal with this wide spectrum of pollutants. Of course, we need to fine tune it. change the intensities of treatment change the you know time change the flow rates a lot of other factors go in but the capability exists the technology can do it yeah so it's it's based on the quality that you have in the water and then also that means you can uh, yeah you can apply more current or less current so okay. yes that's the, yes. that's the point but if if i go back before adopting your technology for instance what was what are technologies that are in place that can do what you are doing in terms of decentralization ideally before our technology was deployed most conventional solutions like people had to resort to multiple approaches and processes like they would have to use a certain amount of chemicals for one kind of pollutant then they would have let's say combine it with another industrial process maybe put together a uh, you know uh, dafs extended aerations chemical dosing of different kinds combined with an mbbr or mbr a lot of different combinations come into play and it was very difficult for people to scale because every time they went to a new site or they encountered a different kind of waste water they had to completely go through the process design cycle which is time consuming which is expensive and that has been one of the biggest hindrances in the waste water treatment market which has prevented people from growing fast growing faster and uh, you know meeting demand 
Whereas what we have done is we have come up come up with modular systems sub modules. Now we no longer change the complete process. Rather, we increase the modular modular capacity or intensity. Plug and play different modules and come up. So now we are able to go through these same cycles much quicker. So, for example, a conventional plant might take you five to seven months to you know deploy, and maybe another one month, two months to you know stabilize, which is the standard case even in the largest of industries. We are able to build and deploy our plants about thirty, forty uh, in just thirty to forty days. and we are able to build at least six seven of those plants together now that is a massive increase and that is simply because we are imagining a wastewater treatment plant as a product we are no longer thinking of it as an epc project there is like we are trying to make it as standardized as possible as a drinking water system that we would use inside our home where pretty much everybody is trying to use the same module so that we can increase or decrease and fine tune the treatment Okay, and how did you manage to do this? Is this thanks to some algorithms you have developed, or? Yes, so a lot apart from the standard processes or the standard base hardware architecture that we have in place, we have a lot of controls in terms of the in terms of the current, in terms of the other factors that are used to control the processes, and that runs on smart algorithms which have been developed, you know, with a dynamic feedback to run the system. So a lot of the magic happens. based on the actual dynamic feedback based on the wastewater qualities and we put in place the modules which have the same which have the capacity to take that much of power input so some wastewaters can be treated with lesser energy input some wastewaters require more amount of energy input because for us ultimately when you're using electricity everything translates into the amount of energy that you're putting in to the system and pretty directly at that so our more difficult modules for for really complex wastewaters are more energy intensive and there the algorithms are designed to handle that so it is it is more of standardizing each each parameter the the core reactor does not change here you are only using a reactor with higher energy capacity the design does not change you are not going through the design change cycle like every other wastewater plant every time so that is a reason we are able to you know bring in aspects of mass production into wastewater treatment which will eventually bring down cost give us scale but most importantly reduce the reaction time to demand so it's basically we can bring it and 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 i i would explain the way how i understand it and correct me if i'm wrong yeah so in in a small scale is two electrodes you apply the currents depending on which um dissolved solute that you have in a system that you would like to oxidize you will change the, let's say the the, you know, the the amount of electricity that you are investing in that liquid yeah and then at the same time the other advantage also you are removing this suspended solid also you can treat the suspended solid from that and then if if this is this is the way i understand it i mean would you just i mean describe briefly how the unit looks like how the module looks like and then um depending on the capacity that you are tracing how big the module can be and how small the module can be sure so generally the smaller systems like we are talking about a 5000 liter per day system uh, let's say 5000 to 10000 liter per day system these systems are uh, let's say you have these refrigerators you have small refrigerators you know keep two refrigerators side by side and you would have one of a water treatment system that is really how small they are and uh, when you're talking about larger capacities like 100000 liters per day then you're talking about the whole system fitting into a shipping container and when i talk about the whole system i mean we are giving a complete solution right from 
primary treatment of water, taking down of pollutants, pre-treatment screening. We are giving them uh, settling, clarification, filtration, and post-processing post uh, solutions like disinfection. So everything fits into the solution. We also give sludge dewatering solutions along with this. So a 20-feet container can do this for 100,000 liters of water per day. Uh, and a 40-feet shipping container pretty much houses it for 200,000 liters per day. And after that, the modules just multiply. Another thing I would like to highlight is that in our process, we end up generating 65% or, you know, or lesser sludge compared to any conventional process. That's because of the nature. We break down a lot of things to the gaseous form. So we don't get a lot of solid sludge coming out. And whatever sludge comes out is non-toxic. So that is another massive issue we're solving. Because if you're looking at a conventional textile plant, let's say they're generating about 800,000 liters of wastewater per day. They might be generating four, four and a half tons of, you know, toxic sludge per day because of the chemicals being used to treat water. And that also needs to be disposed of. And most of the time that needs to go to landfills. And that again adds to the problem that adds to the massive problem that we are trying to solve. But in our case, we are generating 65 to 70% lesser sludge actually on our life systems right now. So that problem is taken care of. And the sludge that is being generated sometimes can find use applications. Like some of the dye manufacturers can reuse the sludge 30% of the sludge, uh, already reduced sludge, as a primary ingredient in the manufacturing process. The paper and pulp industry can reuse our entire sludge in recycled paper manufacturing. So there are alternates, and the entire sludge is not toxic. Yeah, so while developing this compact solution between hardware and software, um, which kind of challenges that you faced so far and how you deal with them and you solve them? So uh, finding the right balance and integration between hardware and software is always uh, always a difficult thing because what happens is uh, our primary operation market is India, which is not really uh, you know an early adopter when you are talking about automation smart solutions. So many a time we have had to simplify the amount of automation that goes in. So it's about having hardware which is really simple especially from the point of view of operations, because ultimately you're talking about industrial plants here. Hardware systems should not really be that complicated that it's very difficult to remove them and replace them. So today, most of our modules are very easy to remove and put back. So we try to simplify the design constraints in terms of hardware. Complexity in software is easier to manage, though more difficult to develop, which we have done over a period of time. Because what happens is if you're if you have a change, if you're able to control your process, increase the improvements through OER updates and software, that is the right path to take, which is what we have been achieving. We have been trying to take away as many complexities from the customer's side so that the experience is more hassle-free. We have also been trying to reduce the complexity from the side of the operators. So customers, their life has to be simple. The asset operators, their life has to be simple. We try to keep the complexities at our end. Our control end, where we are able to monitor our systems, troubleshoot them remotely, you know, effect changes in terms of improvements through software. And uh, even if a hardware needs to change because they are modular, tomorrow we can easily remove a small portion of the hardware and the software is already built to take care of that, to, you know, respond to that and effect changes in terms of performance. Of that. that is how we are trying to integrate hardware and software and uh, we've been doing it over a period of time. That makes, I mean, this makes more sense to me as well, which is make it more simple, more simple, more simple. And that, that's yeah. very challenging. That's not easy. Yes. Really, you. In fact, simplifying is more challenging than making things complex. That's what we're doing. <laughs> I know. I mean, it, it's like you give a work for the 
the software engineer, hardware engineer to rethink, redesign again from scratch because, yeah. Uh, yeah, and this, um, you said something's very interesting. You said also about cost effective. I mean, before jumping to the cost, would you just, I mean, if you have any case studies that you already did, just for the audience to understand, okay, this is the quality that they have in the water, this type of industry that you have treated, for example, textile, the COD, what you have oxidized, just take us in, in, uh, with you in, in a real case study that you already solved so far. Sure. So uh, let me take the live example. I'll give you a couple of examples. So the first one is, let's say, textile industry. And today, let's say they are treating uh, their uh, uh, wastewater qualities are in the range of 6,000 uh, milligrams per liter of COD. So getting them to reusable standards, uh, these, these guys are unable to reuse even 20% of that water today because most of the time their processes are, in, processes are inconsistent and their own uh, production processes change leading to a lot of variation in the actual wastewater quality. So the reuse potential decreases dramatically there. And they're spending in, uh, in excess of about, uh, you know, two, two and a half dollars uh, per meter cube of wastewater treated. And that's the, that's in India. Uh, abroad, they're spending even more. So, and a lot of energy is going in. Uh, people just look at the actual electricity and in conventional solutions, they think that there's just a pump and the pump is transporting water and all that. They do not look at the cost of extended aeration. They do not look at the uh, energy costs of transportation of chemicals, the logistics involved and all that. And nobody accounts for them. But when you're actually accounting for a plant, you're trying to create something environmentally sustainable, you should be looking at the whole uh, cycle of it. So uh, that adds to labor cost and everything. Uh, what we have been able to do is we are trying, we have been able to decrease, uh, you know, remove pollutants from this 6,000 to any standard. For example, we have achieved below 50. We have achieved below 250. That depends because it's an electrically driven system. The customer can choose the output, unlike conventional systems. So if you choose a water, that is, if you choose to bring, the, uh, you know, reduce the pollutant level down to 50 milligrams per liter of COD, of course, your operational cost will be a little more. If you do it up to 250 and meet the discharge standards, let's say, then your operation costs are less. So customers have the choice today to treat water up to the levels they want. That flexibility exists with our systems. Uh, secondly, we have. The other thing we have been able to do is we have been able to do it much cheaper. Like as I said, there they're doing it at that cost. We are doing it at $1 per kale or lower. And in some cases, we have hit, you know, about $0.6 per kale, 0.5, even in textiles, which is really difficult to treat waste water. So uh, that's something that we have done. Uh, and I'm talking about really difficult pollutants, really difficult color uh, pigments, uh, which take a lot of effort to, you know, take out of water. Uh, when we're talking, talking about sewage, uh, black water, and grey water mixed. Uh, generally, in those segments, you have players in India which are uh, able to run give water for uh, non-potable use applications. But again, those uh, the water generally has uh, foul odor. It has a tinge of color, and uh, people really don't enjoy that because uh, that leaves behind uh, you know in residential complexes, people are not happy using that kind of water. But uh, uh, they are achieving costs at around uh, one point two dollars per k or 1.5 and sometimes more depends upon the uh, you know quality to which they're trying to treat water. Uh, we are generally achieving less than 0.2 dollars per uh, kale there, 0 0.2, 0 0.3 dollars per kale. So in most cases, operationally, we are 40 to 50 percent cheaper than conventional systems. And uh, in industries, especially when you're talking about difficult to treat wastewater, let's say you're talking about a pharmaceutical industry. The, we are at least sometimes in some cases uh, like API chemicals, API processes in pharma, 
our process is uh, almost 70% cheaper operationally so there the differences increase like in sewage the difference might be 30% cheaper in textiles we might be 40% when you talk going to really difficult to treat wastewater there the you know gap is huge uh, in terms of capital costs in industrial wastewater segments we are at least 30% cheaper in most cases and it depends on the kind of company also selling it uh, in terms of you mean 30% cheaper compared to what to 30% cheaper compared to existing solutions and market solution providers in the market. Yeah, you might be comparing it with a chemical dosing, some activated sludge process, uh, you know, compared with an MBR and a lot of things. Ultimately, to achieve the kind of water that you want. So I'm I'm, I'm comparing it with that. And uh, in terms of uh, sewage, which is black water, uh, there uh, our capital costs are generally on par or maybe a little cheaper. then conventional systems but the difference being we are providing smart automated systems which require very minimal manpower you know just for standard cleaning uh, once in a while and all that whereas uh, you're talking about uh, completely manual systems in this so where we really become cheaper is because the manpower constraint also comes down dramatically okay and then one thing i was thinking which is when you break them together and you oxidize them um, how do you deal with the gas because sometimes you get some toxic gas when you break them no yeah so generally in our system when you are dealing with pharmaceuticals uh, that problem does not exist with uh, sewage water or the standard textiles because most gases are pretty much broken down and uh, you don't have toxic gases coming out but when you are dealing with pharma or certain chemical industries there uh, we have our own uh, gas scrubbers basically we use electric discharge technology which is again our own proprietary tech where we scrub the gases pretty much break them down and then release gas so our systems come in, uh, you know retrofitted with that we do not generally rely on uh, other uh, systems uh, you know trying to suck out air and then treating it we integrated with our own system okay that's okay because which which would be more sophisticated okay you treat also the yeah. gas also you need to treat it as well yes Good, and then we said, uh, uh, well, basic question that I had, which is electro oxidation, also exists. Um, yeah, so many years also in academia. I think also it's transferred also in the industry. So, how do you see your solution compared to the big producer of electro oxidation? Yeah. So. Uh- any uh, most of these are physiological reactions and you can achieve them in uh, various ways one of the largest challenges one of the uh, you know most important challenges in this uh, particular tech has been uh, you know managing the lifespan of the different electrodes you use and uh, you know uh, ensure that they are functioning at their optimal capacity throughout this uh, replacement period uh, throughout the lifespan uh, in our case we have been uh, able to do that very effectively in fact our technology has evolved like while we have direct uh, while we directly pass electricity through electrodes our newer designs are able to wirelessly uh, you know induce charges inside the matrix bed which increases the current density and increases the ability to regenerate the matrix uh, we we also rely on other techniques where we smartly manage polarities we manage micro bubbling uh, we manage the intensity and sizes of bubbling on different surfaces to prevent passivation on happening so a lot of these you know safeguarding techniques are happening at the back end in the same reactor we have automatic reactor cleaning processes at periodic intervals so all these things are taken into account to ensure that our electrodes do not get passivated because once they get passivated then nothing happens because they are the ones who are doing the treatment and uh, 
compared to other physiological technologies today we are consuming at least 30% lesser energy compared to any other physiological technology out there uh, that is simply because we are able to switch between monopolar and bipolar arrangements inside the same reactor and uh, we are able to do that very very effectively and then this, uh, you said something is also very interesting. If I understood correctly, these three values here, there's, okay, there is capex, opex value, that's, that's, that that's I can see it. There's also space that you are saving because I don't think it's too big. And also there is a time that you are saving because you don't need longer time to adapt your system and to run it. If I understood correctly, one month and a half, that's the maximum where you get operation and you get, you meet the needs of the customer. Yeah. Yes, uh, you very rightly pointed out. In fact, uh, one of the, what we were just mentioning that when we actually started off in the water industry, there were multiple problem statements to fix. It wasn't just fix one thing. It was a technology problem. It was a scale up problem. It was a space constraint that most of these buildings had. Uh, it was an operational problem. It was too difficult for people to operate. There was a logistics problem and all that. And uh, we have tried to solve each one of those problem statements stepwise, steadily in our solution. Right. And then uh, maybe I'm wrong. The way how I imagine the solution of your solution, which is um, it's not like you need um, water, you need someone close to the system every day, try to play with different parameters, but no, you, ho you have your own kind of database. You learn from so many plants and then you try to use what you have learned already in the system in order to speed up the process. Is that correct? Absolutely, absolutely. That is the end goal. So the, the more the number of plants that we put up, more the amount of wastewater we treat, we actually become better and better at treating. Because now we have a database to fall back on. Now we have, every time we can standardize the systems better and uh, we can allow our systems to get to optimal parameters much quicker every time we encounter a new problem statement. Yeah. And then which kind of innovation that you have in your pipeline? So far, what, what are you working so far? Hardware, software, or human connect networks? <laughs> or three of them? Yeah. So we are working, there are two, three things we are working on. We are working on the next generation reactors where we are pretty much trying to bring in uh, aspects of, uh, you know, uh, electrons, uh, uh, fast flowing electron beams into our reactors and improve the disinfection part of it. And we are also trying to improve the, uh, you know, reduce the energy consumption of our reactors. So that is one. Uh, secondly, we are trying to improve the power electronics and ensure that uh, the water industry per se moves into, you know, uh, systems which are run with microcontrollers, which are more, uh, you know, in sync with uh, modern systems, which can have over-the-air updates because there are constraints with respect to the legacy electrical hardware or electronics hardware that are used. So we are designing our own microcontroller chips today. Uh, custom-made so that uh, our plants are built around them for functionalities, to achieve functionalities that they were designed for. So those are two major areas. And uh, we're also trying to solve common O&M problems for people by, you know, by uh, reducing the frequencies with which people have to interact with these assets and ensuring that a lot of it is simplified enough that even an unskilled labor is able to do things there. So three aspects that, uh, that we are working on, very, very different problem statements targeting different parts of the industry, but uh, all of them going into solving, uh, you know, making this one solution that we are proposing to the market better. Super. In terms of numbers, how much, how I mean, how much um, uh, water you have treated or you have solved so far with your solutions? 
like i am always uh, like we are all in this team we are looking out for people who are trying to solve these difficult challenges especially fundamental resource problems and we hope that we can all make a definitive change we are a small part of the jigsaw puzzle and uh, we hope a lot more companies a lot more innovators entrepreneurs come together to solve this problem and we are looking forward to collaborate with anyone who's interested to really solve this problem yeah best success amrit thank you very much and very interesting talking to you and also very interesting concepts and it's really inspiring i hope that it's spread not only in india but also outside india i'll say thank you so much akim thank, thank you so much. much have a nice bye. day thank you have a nice day bye